All right, all right. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve. So good to see everyone. You know, second service is more packed than first service was, and that's, yeah, let's bring the energy. I like it. Okay. Wow. Doug will not believe when I tell him that you guys cheered. I'm so excited. Uh, my name is Liz. I am one of the pastors here at Hope. If I've yet to meet you yet, I would love to meet you before the day is over, so let's make that happen. I uh, have a worksheet that each of you should have grabbed or gotten on the way in. If you do not, can you do me a favor and raise your hand, and we will make sure you get one. Anyone still need one? We got Bob up front. Any other takers? Any other takers? Nope. Okay, just one. There you go. Um, we are going back to school. Just kidding. We're going to do a little bit of a different sermon structure today. It's going to be a guided, reflective time. So this worksheet is going to be important for you, and you can participate as much as you feel led to. And before we jump in, I do want to say thank you to everyone. This is my first sermon back after maternity leave. Wow. Okay. So much energy this service. I'm here for it. And, um, and it's been a delight to be a mom. It's my most favorite role that I'm just okay at so far. And uh, Mikhail, unfortunately, has to now hear my sermon. So here's him yesterday hearing uh, me preach. Yes, this is, this is Mikhail John, the makings of a pastor's kid, uh, hearing, testing out the sermon. He said it was just all right. Um, He's three months now. His name means gift of God. God is gracious. And every single time I look at him, I feel those things to be so true. Um, one of the ways that Sam and I have reflected on God's graciousness to us in this particular season is actually through all of you, all the meals, the phone calls, the texts, the letters that we've received. And one of the things that I think God is so gracious uh, to me through is planting me in a church full of mothers and fathers um, in a season of becoming one. And I have felt your guys' nurture. Um, it's been so sweet, and so thank you guys. Uh, we love you guys. And so as we jump in today, we are going to be, like I said, doing a little bit of a different sermon, a year in review, uh, and I'm going to title today's sermon, 2023 Wrapped, A Year in Review. What I love about this is actually my birthday falls in between Christmas and New Year's, and one of the things I used to really not like my birthday because it was so close to Christmas, um, but now I actually have grown to really love it because it gives me just one time a year that I have to reflect on, on, on the year and all that's happened, and one of the things that I do on my birthday is I spend time thinking about what am I proud of from this year? What do I want to leave behind in this year? What are my hopes and dreams for the next? And when I married Sam, he got invited into this conversation with me. And so this week, thank you to grandparents, we got to sneak away for dinner, which felt like a big deal, uh, very novel treats to go out to dinner these days. And we had this conversation with each other and got to reflect on all God has done in our lives this year. And the other thing that marriage has brought me is this red book. 
This red book, it says, The Family Christmas Book. I don't know if it looks familiar to any of you, but Sam's mom had a tradition of every year at Christmas, they would sit down, and you would put your Christmas card, oh, like this is from when we were engaged. Um, You put your your Christmas card in it, and you would write how you spent the holidays, some of your uh, memories around holiday season, and then you would look back on your entire year and just jot down things that happened, and then also things that happened happened in the world uh, that were major events. This year was, you know, COVID, which is a major event still happening. Um, and so we, we get to sit down and pause and do this every year. And I wonder, how many of you guys spend time every year reflecting on your year? Anyone have a tradition of that? No one? Oh my goodness, you are in the right place this morning. Oh, right here. Okay. Thank you, Troy and Carrie. Uh, because today, this worksheet is going to give you the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And so we're going to do that together. It's so important to just get in rhythm of looking back on your year and all God has done. And it's also so important. It's became trendy. Um, there's even apps that do this for any Gen Zers in the room. They might recognize this wrapped word because Spotify does what's called Spotify wrapped every year. If you don't know what Spotify is, it's a music playing app. And, uh, and at the end of every year, they wrap up for you how many minutes of music you listen to, who your top artists were, who, what your most played song was. And so you get this picture of your entire year of music. One of the other things that it does is it also tells you what percentage of fandom you are in for that particular artist that you most listen to. Okay, so like for example, a couple years ago, I was in the top 1% of this artist that I won't mention, um, Chance the Rapper, but, uh, uh, and so I I listened to him quite a bit, but when uh, I got that, I was like, oh man, I listened to a lot of Chance the Rapper, and uh, maybe I should reconsider that. Um, Anyway, so it's really interesting picture of your year, and what I hope to accomplish over these next several minutes together is to give us a picture of our year, just like Spotify provides for us through music. I also wonder that as we are going through this, if we think about our year as far as percentage of followers of Jesus, if we would end up being in a top percentage or so of that You know, a lot of us in this room might say by our very words that we are Christian. Did you know that the Bible only says the word Christian three times? And actually, sometimes in a negative way. But the Bible uses the word disciple 268 times. So there's something about that word that we need to consider for our lives. This idea of being an apprentice to a teacher, a rabbi, to Jesus. And so when I think about this year and when we're going to look at our worksheets together, I want you to consider the ways in which you have moved and thought through being a disciple to Christ and the elements that take place to do that. And we're going to do that through a unique outline. We're going to actually use the outline of the three times in Scripture Jesus himself was wrapped. You might be able to guess them. The first we just celebrated last week, what is it? 
Jesus' birth, yes, right? In Luke, we see Jesus was wrapped in cloth and placed in a manger. This is the fancy word incarnation, which just means God came to be with us. The word became flesh. He didn't stay far. He came near. The third time, we'll skip to the end. The third time he was wrapped, can we guess that? The tomb, into the tomb, yep, Mark 15, 46, we see a guy by the name of Joseph who takes Jesus' body and wraps it and places it in a tomb uh, after his crucifixion. And then we also see that those same wraps are left as he is resurrected out. So we have his crucifixion and resurrection as the third one. What is the second time Jesus was wrapped Wow, we have Bible scholar front row. When he washed his disciples' feet, you got it. John 13, 4 through 5, I have the verse up on the screen for us to read. It says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, so Jesus was wrapped three times in Scripture. The first, the incarnation. The third being the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then for this one, we'll call it his demonstration. His demonstration of humility and service. And so we're going to use these three times Jesus was wrapped to actually reflect and review on our own personal years that we just had, hence the worksheet. So number one, Christ's presence with us. Christ's presence with us. I wonder as you're writing that down, if you even pause, or even as we were just singing that last worship song, if you're in that place of, I don't know if I've noticed when God's presence has been with me this year. I don't know if I can quickly recall that to mind. For some of you, it might be, because I'm guilty of this, uh, simply because of distraction. I remember when I was living abroad in Kenya and we were working with a bunch of translators and they were telling me that God would wake them up in the middle of the night between 3 and 3.30 and they would walk to each other's hut and they would pray for Americans. And they said, Liz, at some point, we want to be missionaries to the USA. And I said, tell me more about that. And they said, there's too many distractions. There's too many distractions. And I was like, they are so right. They are so right. I mean, our phones in general probably serve as one of the greatest distractions, right? On, on average, on average, okay, so some far below, some Gen Z really high, um, spend four hours a day on their phone. That equals 50 days out of a year. That's a month and a half out of the year looking at your phone. That's on average. I wonder... Do you spend 50 days out of your year with the Lord? Asking of God to know him, a desire to see him, to know his presence that is with you? I feel guilty of this one personally. 
There was a group of us who read the book together this summer, Practice of the Presence of God, and you know, one of the main takeaways of, the, of that was just to be able to be in two plate or to think through two different kind of places and spaces at once. So you could be washing the dishes and in the presence of God. You can be very relatable right now changing diapers and in the presence of God, maybe writing an email and in the presence of God. And it's this idea of practicing and noticing God around us. Dallas Willard says it like this. He says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part is thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon, our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. This is the fundamental secret for caring for our souls. Knowing Christ's presence with us. And it's practice. Have you guys ever practiced for something before? It's the safest place to make mistakes. There is grace in that place. And that's what we're talking about here today. Christ's presence with us. It's not going to come naturally to all of us to to grow in this awareness. It's going to take work and it's going to take commitment to noticing. I get a weekly email from uh, the author of Atomic Habits, James Clear, and he wrote this in his email this week, and I snuck it in here. He said, you will love whatever you pour your heart into. Passion follows commitment. You will love whatever you pour your heart into. Passion follows commitment. So as we think about this year and we think about the presence of God, how have you committed to that? Maybe it was in some ways that you have invited scripture or different spiritual disciplines into your life or prayer or examine. Maybe it was just simply slowing down your pace to notice. You know, I heard it said like this before, does your pace of life reflect a desire to hear from God? Does your pace of life reflect a desire to hear from God? Unfortunately, I think sometimes my pace doesn't. I'm just so busy or distracted. But I want to commit. I want to commit to noticing and being aware of God's presence. And what I love about this is I know I'm not alone. You can even see this early in Scripture. In Genesis 28, Jacob says this. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Oh, one of the most refreshing verses in the Bible. (laughs) The Father, right there. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I just was not aware of it. So what we're going to do today, this is going to be the first reflection period that we're going to have of a couple. In this first one, I want you to think through Christ's presence with you from this last year. 
and take a moment to invite God to grow you in awareness of the ways that he showed up for you, or maybe even jot down some ways you feel like he didn't and say, where were you? And let him respond. He's closer than you think. All the questions that are going to be up on the screen are just going to be guiding questions today, so you can just take one or leave one. The point of it is just to get your thoughts down on paper and just to start writing. So for this first one, where did you experience God's presence with you this year? Maybe it was in great joy, deep sadness, or disappointment. Maybe it was through a particular scripture, prayer time, an event, through community or a person. And take a moment to jot some of those things down right now. All right. Let's look at the second time Jesus was wrapped in Scripture and what that means for us with his washing of his disciples' feet. This is Christ's posture within us. Christ's posture within us. Like I said, his demonstration of humility and service to us. So what was happening? John 13, Jesus is headed towards his death, his betrayal, the crucifixion. And before he teaches and before he speaks, he acts. Before he says anything, he acts. And he takes the lowliest position as a servant would in a household back then, and he washes, invites the disciples to wash their feet. Even Peter was disturbed by this and was like, no, Jesus, no, I am not letting you do this. This was scandalous and radical. And Jesus knelt before them, and he washed their feet in the posture of the lowliest servant, knowing that he was about to go to the cross, about to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. And then after this feet washing happens, they sit down for uh, their last dinner, which is called the Last Supper, and he's with his closest friends. And then Jesus begins to speak, and he begins to tell them that one of you is going to betray me. And then you'll probably all start freaking out, like, it's not me, it's not me. And then he comforts them because he's Jesus. And then he comforts them even more by telling them the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, is actually coming. I need to leave. I need to go. And so he says the Holy Spirit is going to come. And right after this, he says this really profound thing in John chapter 15 that can we read this out loud together? He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is Christ's posture. This is the invitation that he's welcoming us into to dwell, to abide, to remain, and then we will bear much fruit. A vine won't grow by being dipped in water once a week. Grow. It doesn't work that way. We have to be planted and rooted and nourished in order for it to grow. As we grow into Christ's likeness, as we take on his posture, the bearing fruit will shock the world around us because the bearing of our fruit is this demonstration of humility and service to the world around us. There's an example of this that I actually really love. It's from the movie Jesus Revolution that came out last year, talking about Chuck Smith and uh, his journey in starting the Calvary Chapel church uh, movement that happened in Southern California. And I think it beautifully depicts what happens when we take on this humility and how it even shocks religious leaders and disturbs the religious people just like Jesus did too. So check out this movie clip. Kids are runaways, most of them. They got drug addictions, medical issues. And they need our help. Yeah, but Chuck, <laughs> I mean, they need to go home. They're making our congregation uncomfortable. Well, maybe they should be uncomfortable. Maybe we all should. Maybe it's my job to make us uncomfortable. I haven't been doing it. Chuck, stop. This is enough. This is a house of worship. And yes, we expect a certain level of dignity here. These girls are wearing halter tops and half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet with their bare feet. A carpet? Mm. Oh, yeah, let's be sure to save the carpet. You keep this up and you're gonna drive away the only contributing members that we've got. You hearing me now? Loud and clear. What is going on? Just that right over there on that towel. And this other one here. Yeah. Baptize these feet and one of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There you go. Uh, welcome to church. <laughs> Hello, you. Let's have that foot, please. This is terrific. Okay. Place them both on that towel and then. Step on into church. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How are you? Let's have this foot. So good. I cried in theaters watching that. Uh, so Jesus. But that's what taking on this posture of humility and service does. Movements, mass movements like that happen where people who we would say don't belong in church, quote unquote, are welcomed into our doors. And when we think about Christ's posture within us in his demonstration of humility and service, I wonder 
How have you this year shocked the world around you? How have you this year perhaps had to take a position of a lowly servant? How have you this year maybe had to hold your tongue in a conversation and not say something? So I want us to take a moment, this is our second reflection period, to look at our year. Again, these questions are just guiding questions, and I got some feedback after first service, so I'm going to have Brittany send these out because people want them to use throughout the week this week. So, I'll, so you'll get a copy of them. Uh, but take maybe one or two of these and just start writing what's coming to mind. Where did you demonstrate Christ's humility and service this year? Where were you empowered by the Holy Spirit to die to yourself this year? Where did you see this humility and service in others and around you? If you're feeling stuck, this was a good one to start with, noticing it in others. Where might God be asking you to move in humility and or service? Family member, with a neighbor, maybe it's a ministry, maybe it's in confession. All right, we'll move to the third way Jesus was wrapped in Scripture. On his way to the tomb, and then when he rose from the dead. This is Christ's power for us, for the sake of the world. Christ's power for us, for the sake of the world. The crucifixion brought us redemption. The crucifixion brought us this forgiveness of sins and Christ laying down his life to save us. That's pretty powerful. And then the resurrection. The resurrection brought us eternal life, access to this relationship and life to the full, that God was going to make all things new, that he was coming to restore all things to make them alive and new. And let's pause here for a moment because maybe some of you are looking at your year and it just feels like pure chaos. You just haven't been able to like get any kind of footing underneath you. Maybe it feels like a lot of the things that you've experienced or gone through this year just feel final. Have you ever felt that way, like just done? Christ's power for us means that three days later, it's not done. God gets the last word, that the resurrecting power of Christ is coming. And we can trust this even when we don't feel this. God's going to get the last say. Things don't have to be as chaotic as they feel in the hours of currently 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. when I'm looking at my baby going, why won't you sleep? That's pretty good news. So I want us to spend some time in this third reflection period thinking about Christ's power 
for us, for the sake of the world. And these questions are, is there anything I'm carrying from the past year that God is inviting me to lay down as I move into 2024? What did God save you from this year? What was brought to life in you or around you this year? In what ways did God surprise you this year? There's a progression here as we're looking at our year. First, it's Christ's presence with us, this idea of being with Christ. Then it's his posture within us that by being with Jesus, then we would become like Jesus. And then there's this last one, Christ's power for us, that as we be with Jesus, then we become like Jesus, then the Holy Spirit's power will move in the world around us and bring dead things to life around us. His power for us this year. Paul talks about uh, this, this power. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. According to his power that is at work within us. So on the back of the worksheet, there's those two more sections. One's called looking forward and the other's called asking Jesus. Now that we've wrapped up our year, I want to spend some time maybe looking a little bit forward as we turn our calendars tomorrow. We can also turn our year and our hearts towards Jesus. And so when we think about looking forward, I want you to take a moment with these questions. What do we want to invite Jesus into this year? What do we want to ask him to resurrect? Do we believe Christ's power for us? This one feels a little bit vulnerable because if I write it down, what if? But take, take some time to write it down and sit with these questions. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's vocational identity. I don't know what to do with my life. And maybe it's in your singleness or in your marriage. 
God wants to bring life into these things. Now, the asking Jesus part, this is my favorite part. Because these are just our own plans and our own thoughts until we invite the Spirit of God to breathe his life onto them. They might just be our good ideas or good wisdom until they get filled with the Spirit. And so we can't look back on our year and look forward without asking Jesus what he thinks about them. So this next section, we're going to say, Jesus, what do you think about everything I wrote down today? Jesus, here's my vision for this part of my life. What's your vision? Jesus, when you look at my coming year, what are you excited about? And I do want to say, if you hear a voice or feel an impression on your heart to any of these questions, that is a voice of condemnation. That is not the voice of God. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. He is a kind and loving and gentle God. And maybe these are some questions you need to sit with throughout this week as we move into 2024. And just allow space for the Spirit to show up, for God's presence to be with you for his posture within you to inspire you. So I'll invite the worship team to come up, wherever they, oh, there it's Brandon, cool. And in this last song, we're going to sing Resurrecting. What if we sang this song believing that the things that we wrote down on this paper could be Resurrected. Believing that the Spirit of God can move in a way that only God can move. Let me pray for us. God, as we wrap up 2023, would you show us how you were with us? Would you call to mind moments that people looked like you or in ways that which you shaped and formed us to be in your likeness to the world around us and that you, Jesus, would also resurrect something within us for this new year moving forward. God, we want to ask you, what are your plans for us? What is your vision for us this year? And that you would lay something out to us that is immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. 
would you shock us? Would you stir in us, Jesus, in a way that you've never stirred in us before? Thank you for this year that we've had, the good, the bad, the highs, the lows. We thank you because, God, you've been so close to us and you've never left us. Thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Move Holy Spirit.